Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 49 of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, and today's guest is Misha Benoel, the CEO of Nodal. He is also the co-founder of Nodal. Um, he is a serial entrepreneur focused on technologies of communication and exchange to help bring the world together. He co-founded Nodal, which is a global wireless network for connecting the next trillion things to the internet. Um, they are an ecosystem that is powered by cryptocurrency called Nodal Cash. A little more insight into Nodal.io. Um, they are an IoT and connectivity network provider with the presence in over 80 countries. The Nodal network uh, reduces the cost of IoT device communications. The company has built a network for connecting and collecting data from remote devices and sensors that don't require always-on connectivity. They have a network called the Nodal Citizen, Nodal's Citizen Network. And it is made up of, a mil- of millions of smartphones collaborating to provide internet access two devices. Um, it's a really interesting idea. We're kind of seeing this come out in the industry a little bit more with, um, for instance, like what Helium's doing with their cryptocurrency and their gateways that they're trying to have you um, uh, set up and deploy to be able to connect devices. Uh, this episode was really interesting, just kind of learning about these different approaches to helping connect different um, devices or new ways of connectivity, kind of more creative ways um, to things that we, we have been talking about on this show lately. To give you a little rundown of the show itself, um, after the introductions, we talk a little bit more about Nodal, kind of the role they play in the IoT space, how their network works, how their cryptocurrency, Nodal Cash works. Um, and then we start talking about the idea and kind of the, the thoughts behind crowdsourcing connectivities for IoT devices using smartphones. You know, what are the challenges? What are the risks? Um, what use cases are these best used for? Um, is there a cost to smartphone users? Kind of how can you participate? How do you, you know, get involved in something like this? Um, and how would you set uh, a solution up, let's say, in the smart city space to be able to benefit from um, a network similar to theirs? Um, we then kind of finished the show getting into talking through some use cases as well. Uh, and then kind of the thoughts on 2020 um, expectations, plans, you know, anything kind of exciting that, that Misha's looking forward to. But all in all, I thought this was a really interesting episode. It's a def- definitely a different topic that we don't talk too much about on here because it's kind of new in the IoT space. Um, and I hope you all enjoy it. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the IoT for All podcast with Misha. Welcome, Misha, to the IoT for All show. How's your new year going so far? Well, uh, thank you, uh, Ryan, for, for hosting me today on the show. My uh, uh, New Year is doing great. It's a great start of the of the year and the decade. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to actually to to be uh, deploying uh, more of uh, what we do is Nodal uh, this coming year and have more people using our network and um, have more people joining and participating in the network. But I'm going to explain all of that to you pretty soon, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. Um, but I want to start off just to have our audience get a little better connected to understand uh, a little bit more about you and, and your background. So if you want to take a second to just introduce yourself to the audience, give them any necessary information you think is important for them to learn a little bit more about you before we dive more into your company and then a few other uh, questions and talking points that we've come up with. Absolutely. So I have been uh, an entrepreneur for uh, more than 15 years now, always in the space of telecommunications, uh, communications and, uh, and wireless. Uh, before moving to Silicon Valley uh, 10 years ago, I was in, uh, in Europe, uh, living in uh, Paris and London. And there I had uh, built a, a small telecom uh, operator, so a telco. And I was the, among the noticeable thing I did, I was the first one to open up communications for Skype, when Skype wanted to enable okay. communications to landlines and mobile. 
Then I moved to the US 10 years ago in, in San Francisco uh, and uh, created a technology of um, mobile mesh networking uh, with a company that I founded called Open Garden. And the technology got uh, mainly used and successful for uh, a mobile application that we launched in 2014 called FireChat. And um, the, the idea came from uh, actually Burning Man. You probably are familiar with the festival of okay. Burning Man yeah, that sure. happened in the, the, the desert of Nevada. And at that time, right. really, you had no communications possible. And so with sure. uh, this mobile mesh and this uh, messaging applications, we were enabling people to exchange messages and communicate in the middle of the desert uh, okay. with one another. And quickly, the app got used for many other uh, events and situations like music festivals, disaster recovery situation. And it is the app that powered the uh, also the many pro-democracy protests like the Umbrella Revolution back in uh, 2014 in Hong Kong. Okay. And uh, so strong of that experience, uh, for example, I was actually in Hong Kong when it happened by, just by accident and I decided to stay because it was quite unusual. And wherever I was going in the city, because we had uh, more than half a million people installing the app and using the app uh, locally, I was having alerts on my phone saying, oh, fire chat user nearby, oh, another fire chat user nearby. And I really realized the power of what I call the uh, smartphone infrastructure, how you can leverage crowds uh, and in this case, smartphones to actually create and build connectivity and communication networks. And uh, so that's basically where the, the idea from, uh, from Nodal came from. Um, and um, yeah, I can tell you more in a... In, uh, yeah. So when soon, you're yeah. talking about using smartphones to for connectivity now, does that only enable individuals within the area who have the app installed on their phone to connect? Or is, does it kind of does it expand outside of that that individual area um, and to those who do not have the app on the phone? So um, the way the connectivity works is every smartphone or actually also every router, so we have a partnership, for example, with Cisco Meraki for that, mm -hmm. that is enabled with our mobile application, um, turns the phone into in an IoT gateway or if you prefer okay. uh, an IoT hotspot. So then any uh, equipment, any device, anything um, or that is in proximity of the smartphone can use the smartphone as an off-ramp to the internet, could broadcast information uh, gotcha. or communicate with the server. Um, and uh, so what's important in this case is really to get to the, a certain level of density so you can create a more reliable delay tolerant mm -hmm. network. Okay. So then let's, you know, before we get too deep into the conversation about um, the network and the technology side of this, let's just have you talk a little bit more about Nodal and what, what you all are focused on. Um, and then we can kind of dive into how the network works, what type of devices it's suited for, and kind of then talk about the um, Nodal cache and how that how's that's working as well. Absolutely. So um, with Nodal, we are enabling, and what we want is to enable billions of things to connect to the internet securely. And we believe we can make that happen because uh, you have three big important things today. So first, like I mentioned, you have this ubiquity of smartphones everywhere. You have more than 2 billion smartphones around the globe today. Uh, second, you have the miniaturization of radios. So uh, today you can have uh, wireless radios uh, that really are so thin that you will be able to make stickers or tags, very thin tag that have these wireless radios. And then the technology to power these radios is improving. You even have some uh, 
uh, smart uh, tags that can harvest an, their own energy. Um, and I think this is going to go mainstream in the coming years. That means you can have a, a wireless tag or sensor that won't need to have any extra source of energy or any, not even a, uh, to change a battery to be able to broadcast information. Uh, and that's, I think, it's a, it's, it's a big uh, reason why uh, whole network and uh, things are going to evolve in a, in a way that uh, is actually pretty extraordinary for, for the Internet, the market of the Internet of Things, and also for all applications uh, around the, the space. And then okay. so the third factor is, uh, and what, why we were able to do what we do today with Nodal, is uh, the technology of blockchain. Uh, and the... I'm going to explain to you how the, the network is powered and you will understand why this oh. is actually so important to be able to build this uh, scalable, global, very large network. Okay. Uh, one, 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 and so the, the big differentiator, it is a network that is 100% software. That means as we deploy it uh, compared to other more traditional network like cellular with 3G, 4G, mm -hmm. 5G, uh, or even uh, LoRaWAN networks, basically. We don't need to add new equipments, we don't need to have antennas, routers, um, and that's a big difference. Gotcha. So what type of, so let's say, you know, you have this, this network deployed, which you guys already have. Um, what type of devices are connecting to the network or benefiting from this type of network being set up versus other types of connectivity? So we, uh, we focus today on the, the standard of Bluetooth Low Energy. It's okay. a great wireless interface. Uh, more than 50% uh, of devices today get shipped with a Bluetooth wireless interface. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we try to address uh, use cases for devices and manufacturers that already have a Bluetooth Low Energy device uh, within, uh, I mean, within the device. Uh, and that way they don't have to add additional equipment or module to connect or send information from these devices. Okay. And, uh, and we focus also on the, on the very simple use case so far, which is the vertical of asset tracking and the collection mm -hmm. of sensor data. Gotcha. And that can be a bit more specific. Uh, if you want, uh, we, we started pilots uh, using the network with uh, the city of Paris for an application for f uh, furniture, city furniture, like smart benches. Uh, we uh, did pilot also with a large company in the US called Constellation Brands. Um, and uh, we are also having pilots with uh, a shipping pallets company because uh, shipping pallets, for example, is a, is a very good example where hot technology uh, can perform better than more traditional technologies. So it's a very dumb item, shipping pallets, you, but you have mm -hmm. a, a huge amount of shipping pallets. Every year it's, six billion shipping pallets around the globe. Gotcha. Um, and uh, so usually they last between six months to a year, sometimes a bit more. Uh, and if you want to connect them to be able to locate them, so it doesn't mean that all the shipping pallets needs to be connected, but uh, for certain applications and certain clients, they want to know exactly where these pallets are, or it can facilitate the recycling sometimes of these pallets. So if you use a traditional solution like cellular, uh, you have to buy an expensive module. Sometimes it's uh, 10 to 20 or $30 to have a, a GSM uh, uh, and cellular module. Then you need to power this module with battery. So you enter into problems of uh, battery consumptions and uh, because these devices won't be able to, to live for a long time on simple, simple batteries charge. Uh, and uh, if you use other solutions, 
like uh, lower one solutions and you bump into problems uh, they consume a bit less energy but you still have expensive module and they uh, then you have to locate these devices so you often have to add a, um, a gps basically uh, uh, to to the module with uh, with nodal and with uh, the bluetooth tags or bluetooth trackers um, you can live on a simple charge for years mm -hmm. uh, the device uh, can cost uh, just a couple of dollars uh, and we expect that in the future, with the evolution of uh, actually these Bluetooth tags and uh, and stickers, that the cost is going to be comparable to the cost of an RFID tag. Gotcha. So you can imagine uh, the revolution and what's what imp that will imply in the future for all uh, actually industries, supply chain. And uh, so what's great with our network is because we use smartphones mainly to connect um, uh, devices and locate devices, we use the location capability of the right. smartphone. So right. the the pilot in that case doesn't have to have all that complex uh, additional equipment uh, in the module to be able to to enable location and tracking of these uh, of these pilots. We okay, also so have a. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So we also have a pilot with a very large uh, national railway, and uh, for the same reason, they uh, have a lot of tools, a lot of uh, equipments, and they use whole network and tags to locate. Uh, these pallets uh, and, and, and tools across pretty wide areas. Um, I can tell you a bit more on the, the partnership uh, uh, with um, uh, the city of Paris for the smart benches. So basically they have they are building a, a whole new uh, metro line all around Paris called the Grand Paris. And they have, you're going to have uh, 50 new big metro stations. And close to this metro station, you have uh, uh, parks and uh, so they have, uh, they're going to put uh, benches that are beautifully printed using uh, concrete. So it's okay. a 3D printed. Uh, and they, during the test, they realized that some people were actually um, moving these benches or stealing these benches. <laughs> so they had to add uh, um, these smart tags to basically uh, be able to locate them in case they get, they get moved uh, or stolen. Okay. Uh, so that's another kind of application. Um, and so, uh, I think it's always interesting to, to discover all these use cases and how actually making your devices smart uh, can improve business efficiencies. So you have a bench that has the has a tag on it. Um, and then in order for it to be able to be located, a smartphone has to be with be close to it so that it can pull the connect to the smartphone and then upload its location to the cloud down to, you know, wherever there it's being tracked. Is that correct? This is correct. Okay. And, um, and, and even if it's, uh, it sounds pretty simple, it's actually, uh, um, it, it, it requires a lot of, uh, of work to actually perfect this technology. Sure. Uh, for example, when we started, uh, so you, you have first this challenge of density. So uh, we tend to work in places and geographies where, we already have a network, so through partners that have uh, installed our library into their app or through or our own mobile applications. Right. Um, or when we work with businesses, we also uh, incentivize and, and uh, advise the businesses to push a mobile application on the mobile of their uh, basic, on their workforce to improve mm -hmm. the density of the network. Mm -hmm. um, and so to be very efficient, depending on the industry, you also have to reduce the latency of this network. And at the beginning, for example, we had a latency that, which was close to, uh, to 30 minutes between the okay. time we could 
we could uh, locate a device, uh, capture its uh, identity or sensor information and, and have the owner of that device or operator of that device retrieving the information. And now, after, um, I mean, more than a year of work on this specific uh, thing, we were able to reduce that to below one second. So okay. it's pretty, uh, it, it's, it, it's actually a big achievement. And, right. um, and, and, and then it, it shows that this kind of network can be pretty efficient for a lot of applications. Absolutely. So what is, I guess you, you mentioned in order for this to work, um, there needs to be an application put onto a smartphone. And obviously corporations who are deploying this type of network, their employees have incentives to do so. What types of incentives do just the general public have to participate in this network? And I know that probably ties into the um, cryptocurrency side of things that you guys are deploying. Um, and I just wanted to kind of get a better understanding of, you know, outside of working for an individual organization who's deploying the network, but, you know, more the public side where, um, like, for instance, these benches, what what is the incentive and how does that process work for, you know, it basically inc- or increasing the density of the network um, through public use? So we, um, when we started to build the network, we um, realized that uh, to achieve what we needed, which is density, we have to be on millions of smartphones. And, uh, and ultimately, our goal is to be actually on hundreds of millions of smartphones to, to have this global network operating. And so we, we, we went to talk to a few app developers who have already a large presence on smartphones, and we realized that uh, they wanted at least uh, um, millions of dollars to maintain this library onto their apps uh, in order to make revenue and to basically deploy this whole library onto millions of smartphones. And so we quickly uh, realized that uh, it would cost a lot in the long run if we had to maintain presence on uh, millions of smartphones every year just to, uh, to maintain this network uh, through these app developers. Uh, today we have more than uh, close to 20 million smartphones that send back um, every month uh, data uh, to the network. Uh, and we have a, a daily presence on 4.5 to 5 million daily smartphones. So it's already a, a large network. And if we had to maintain that presence every year um, just by paying up developers, we would have to spend probably uh, $20 million or more. So um, with, with, with a cryptocurrency and what we call proof of connectivity, what we have created, we uh, are paying directly app developers and smartphone users for joining the network and for the amount of data they move through their phone by participating. And, and that's pretty amazing because that's where we can pay people with micropayments. So we have performed today more than 14 million micropayments already. And uh, we have done that uh, and we have presence on more than 80 countries. So it's pretty amazing. And uh, we wouldn't have been able to bootstrap that network without actually the use of blockchain and creating a cryptocurrency with a new proof uh, of work, which we call proof of connectivity. So if I want to participate in this, um, I would download an app of some kind onto my phone. And then when I encounter a device that is, that needs, that needs to be, I guess, connected, it would, the Bluetooth connectivity would connect to my phone through this app. It would then upload. Is that correct? That's correct. And, uh, so we have an app, which is called Nodal Cash uh, that's available today. On Android, it's uh, under test on iPhone. It's going to be released soon. And mm-hmm. uh, when you launch the app, uh, you have a wallet. So if you are familiar with uh, any kind of wallet or crypto wallet on your phone, so you, you can yep. use this app 
uh, like a wallet when you have for cryptocurrency nodal cash. And as you move around, uh, you will see, you can see the amount of packets that pass through your phone. Uh, okay. and, and we pay you every 15 minutes, half an hour, or every couple hours, and you receive the payment directly uh, on your wallet. And does this happen automatically? Does the connection to, if, if you have the app turned on uh, and you come with it, you encounter a device, does it automatically kind of connect and upload? Or is it something that you have to approve when um, you, you become in, you come within proximity of, of a device? All the connections happen seamlessly. The beauty okay. with uh, actually Bluetooth Low Energy is uh, you don't need to accept uh, a connection. Okay. Uh, the connection will happen even in the background in some cases, right. and you don't have to do anything on the app. So you can just leave the app running on your phone, and mm -hmm. uh, as you walk around or on your commute, you are going to earn nodal cash. Gotcha. And is there any cost to the smartphone user for this? Is it just kind of affecting their, um, I guess, does it affect their their monthly bandwidth cost, anything associated with, with the user, or is it, there are no costs associated with, for them? So we use the bandwidth of the smartphone, but we are okay. moving tiny bits of, of information. Sure. Uh, you can also decide if you want to uh, push all the data to your uh, to Wi-Fi, uh, if you want. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, except from having the app sitting on your phone and you walking around, no, you don't have to do, to do much. And, uh, and we feel it's pretty amazing because it's a way for... Uh, you, in a way, to to subsidize your expensive smartphones sometimes mm -hmm. cost uh, a thousand yeah, more sure. than a thousand dollar. Yeah, sure. So when you're building this kind of network, um, trying to crowdsource connectivity uh, to IoT devices using a smartphone, what are the challenges and risks associated with doing so, or what what have they what have you encountered so far? So you, I mean, you you have to. Uh, to make sure first that you don't drain too much the battery of the user. So we have optimized things to make the app very, uh, very uh, battery friendly. Uh, and uh, so that was, was one of the first thing. And it's often one of the questions that people ask. Um, and then uh, we had to optimize all the processes, anonymize also the information uh, and secure the information that is transiting from the phone to the to the cloud and then to the to the owner of the data from the device or the sensor uh, that uh, has been broadcasting that information uh, and uh, i mean that that yeah requires a lot of time fine tuning uh, and, uh, and and then when you scale a network with millions of endpoints that connect devices and send you back data uh, in, in in real time then you have to deal with issues of scaling this network uh, automating the scaling of the network um, and then when you add on top of that the aspect of the cryptocurrency, then you have to really secure these communications, uh, secure uh, the wallets of your users. So it involves a lot of different aspects, yes. And what, what we discovered is uh, because we have access to, uh, uh, to a lot of devices through this network, we realized that uh, the security model on the IoT is actually pretty broken. And, uh, and that's why we came up with a, a way that we are starting to market today. We announced it for uh, during a TechCrunch uh, disrupt in Berlin, uh, mid-December of 2019, mm -hmm. so a month ago. And uh, we created a way for IoT manufacturers to uh, authent securely authenticate the devices of their network. And it's a, it's a solution that's part of our communication protocol called Rendezvous. And um, any manufacturer can now use these solutions to securely authenticate uh, uh, the, the devices that are connecting to, uh, to their network or to the network of their customers.
Uh, so, so if now, you, go sorry, ahead. no, go ahead. Yeah, go. If you if you were to compare to the web where you have HTTPS certificate, so it's a little bit like an HTTPS certificate, but for IoT devices. Gotcha. And the and it can scale on blockchain, so it's a bit fully on blockchain, better than than on any centralized infrastructure. And it has a lot of advantages. Like for example, if you are a manufacturer, you have used this certificate and whole solution. And now you have devices that have been compromised. You can automatically revoke uh, access to your network for these devices, which uh, uh, it's it's pretty amazing. So it's a very flexible solution that can scale very quickly. How does this compare to what Helium is doing? It sounds very similar, but they're using obviously the hotspots and versus cell phones. Is it is there any kind of similarity between the two of you guys? It's it's a very good question. I think the. In terms of the philosophy of uh, and the category, which I call crowd connectivity, mm-hmm. um, so Ilium f- fall into the same category as we are. Uh, they decided to sell a box that you can install in your home right. to actually connect to IoT devices, and you are also rewarded with a, a different mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but um, I mean, then you have to also make the investment in that box. Agreed. Uh, and yeah, and initially, Ilium was using a proprietary uh, wireless protocol, which was a, I think, a fork of Zigbee. Uh, and they more recently moved uh, to uh, LoRa uh, One technology. So basically, what uh, any other LoRa One network is providing, uh, probably because they wanted to also uh, reduce the cost uh, for people who may want to use the network. Uh, since they have to add a module to their hardware device to be able to access to, to, to the to, to the network, but in terms of the philosophy, yeah, it's it's pretty similar. It's really uh, uh, it's really about crowdsourcing connectivity. Right. Okay. And now on the other side of things, outside of being a you know an individual with a smartphone, but if I'm a developer and wanting to put this, you know, have this, te- uh, you know, my new devices that I'm launching kind of benefit from this network. How does that work? So if you uh, if you have sensors, if you want to turn some uh, objects or things uh, or assets into smart assets, uh, it's pretty easy. Uh, you can, uh, in the case of smart asset, you can easily buy uh, Bluetooth tags on the market, mm-hmm. or you can work with us. We have many partners we can recommend. Uh, and once you have these uh, assets, which are uh, and, and these tags, you can just use for interface provision or. Uh, the identities of these tags, and automatically, uh, in a few hours, you're going to start collecting data and location from this of these smart assets through the network. So the provisioning is very simple, uh, and it, and everything can happen in a, in a matter of hours, which is pretty exceptional. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so what are you, what are your kind of thoughts? I guess over the next year or so. Um, just if you take this more of a high level, just thinking about the crowdsourced connectivity side of things in IoT, what do you kind of expect to happen over the next you know, 12 to 18 months there? Um, so in, I would say in the we have a pretty long-term vision, which goes actually beyond 12, 18 months. In the next 12 months uh, and 18 months, our focus is still to grow this network. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we uh, have access to 20 million smartphones. We have signed agreements to grow up to and have presence on 60 to 80 uh, million smartphones. So that's going to give us a, a better density globally. We also have our mobile application on Android with a nodal cache and soon on the iPhone. Uh, so we want, we really want to focus on growing this network. Uh, we have paying pilots with large partner ongoing. And, uh, and we are also working with a, a few of them to turn that into uh, regular customers. So 
The goal is really to expand the network and have the first uh, large customers paying for using the network. Okay. That's our focus. Okay. But the vision we have, uh, as you were asking, is goes beyond that. Uh, we believe that with the protocol and this new economic model for building um, data networks, uh, wireless infrastructure, we can actually tap in other wireless technologies at some point, even 5G. Uh, because if you look at 5G, uh, the way it works is you have to have a, a, a very large amount of uh, base station. So in order for 5G to work well, you need a lot of base stations everywhere. And we know that the telcos are not necessarily going to make the investment to provide 5G everywhere because it costs them a lot of money. It's a little bit what happened in the past with 3G or 4G when you can go in some towns and you see that basically you cannot benefit from a full data service, mm -hmm. you just have to steal 2G, or some cases right. so you have 3G, you cannot access 4G. It's because the telcos are very uh, cautious on, on, on the return on investment and they don't want to actually um, make that investment if they don't have a, a direct return or if they're not making quickly money out of mm -hmm. it. But with our model, if you have a community in a town, uh, in uh, even a campus or... Um, uh, I mean, any o o other location that, not, that is not directly served uh, with a 5G infrastructure or won't, will never probably, then maybe at some point we could propose a model where they can uh, pay for the infrastructure, deploy it, and with a uh, whole um, ecosystem and whole economic model, they will be rewarded for providing access right. uh, to, the, to the internet. And in that case, we believe that what we are building today, which is mainly focused on Bluetooth low energy, if we, we can expand it to other wireless protocol, mm -hmm. and it can really be a way to um, lower the cost of access uh, to the internet in general. And that's, uh, it's, it's part of a, I mean, a grand vision that we have been pursuing for a long time. And we really believe that's what enable, what, what Nodal is going to enable in the long term is actually drastically lower the cost of access to the internet for billions of things. Right. Okay. And so, uh, so you mentioned earlier, asset tracking was kind of one of the focuses from a use case standpoint. What other types of kind of high-level use cases uh, do you see this um, being most applicable to, kind of, you know, in the in the near term? Well, we you have sensors today uh, that have a Bluetooth interface that also have a temperature pressure, yeah. humidity, uh, and uh, that kind of data, which is more like uh, weather data mm -hmm. or uh, environmental data, is uh, has a lot of value. Uh, and, and, and these sensors uh, are going to cost less than $10 pretty soon uh, with quantities. So you can imagine smart cities willing to deploy uh, these sensors and use their citizens to collect data from these right. sensors, and that way they can have a very granu granular uh, information on, on, on climate right. and climate change. Right. Uh, same thing with ride-sharing companies. Uh, using the same kind of technology, you can detect it in a, if an, an area of a very large city is starting to rain or not. Mm -hmm. uh, and that way you, you can uh, uh, adjust the supply and the demand on the network. Uh, so these are uh, fascinating applications that we are uh, starting to... Uh, to, uh, to to deploy and uh, and yeah we believe that uh, it, it is great for actually for the kind of network we are we are we are building yeah I think smart cities definitely sounds like one of the most applicable areas for these kind of networks to be deployed because of the density of people um, so so yeah this all sounds very exciting very interesting I mean ever since I heard about what helium was doing um, I was you know hoping to be able to kind of talk to somebody in this space um, 
and what you guys are doing using smartphones versus actually having to have the cost of you know bringing on a um, uh, a hotspot, if you will, a gateway. Um, it's a very interesting approach, and it seems like you guys have had a lot of success with that. And that sounds very, you know, that sounds great, and that's fantastic. Um, as we kind of wrap up here, I wanted to just ask at a high level, unrelated to you know directly what you all are doing, just how you view the the IoT market in general. Um, kind of what is your thoughts on the current state of IoT, and and your thoughts on um, 2020, and what we can expect to to really start to see happening in um, in the Internet of Things space. So first, I think IoT for, for, for many people is pretty, is pretty broad. Uh, I, I like to define it uh, as any device. Uh, IoT basically, it relates directly to any device that basically that can automatically connect to another device or connect to the internet. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe a, a way to define what, what, what is IoT. Um, and... Uh, I think in 2020, which are, uh, we're going to see, uh, and I think that was, that's what, what happened at CES, you're going to see more and more applications and AI applications mm-hmm. directly happening uh, on the devices instead of the cloud for also privacy and security reasons. So I think uh, manufacturers and industry is aware also of all the privacy uh, concerns around, around IoT, and I think we're going to see more and more uh, applications and devices that are very uh, um, privacy centric and basically provide better mm-hmm. privacy and it's necessary especially when you see that now everyone starts to have these uh, um, smart speakers uh, into their homes for example um, so I think we're going to see more of uh, of devices with, which will be uh, will have features to protect actually users privacy I think uh, we're going to start uh, uh, in whole space, start to see how uh, crowds can be leveraged to connect things and how that basically can also have a big impact on the environment because you don't have to buy new hardware, you don't have to add uh, new antennas. And I think uh, that's, uh, that's a very important aspect also of uh, connectivity for, for, for the Internet of Things. Um, and because we, we have more, more and more concerns with climate change, uh, so I, I think that's 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 important, um, and then uh, I mean five G definitely we're going to start hopefully to see the first application that take really advantage of five G that would be great, uh, and I'm, and that for that I'm more thinking of application in the field of uh, uh, med- telemedicines mm-hmm. where you really have uh, heavy bandwidth uh, right. uh, applications. Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of those are very much in line with. Um, other points that have been made um, by people we've spoken to and just kind of our assessment of the market as well. I think we're also very um, bullish on LP WAN technologies and kind of the scale opportunity they possess for um, for different kinds of IoT applications. So I think 2019 really helps set up um, a good framework and a good kind of base for 2020 to be uh, a, hopefully a, a year of rapid growth on the the solution side of IoT. So that's kind of what we're thinking. Um, so hopefully these things do happen. And I think, uh, you know, as, as much as I enjoyed our conversation today, I'd love to maybe have you back um, sometime later this year just to kind of talk a little bit more about um, what you all have going on, you know, the growth of the network you've built, and, you know, any new challenges or things you've come across and just kind of learn about the evolution of, of this, you know, crowdsource connectivity of IoT devices um, through smartphones because I think it's a fascinating concept, uh, one that you guys are proving out every day. And, you know, the growth of it, I think, is going to could potentially pay 
pay off very well um, for the IoT industry as a whole, especially in that smart city space that you talked about. So as you guys are growing and deploying more um, and the network is growing, I'd love to have you back at some point to kind of talk about that expansion and um, what you're seeing in the market from your angle. Well, thank you, Ryan. Uh, and uh, I mean, we would love to be back on your on your podcast, definitely, to, to tell you the progress and also to learn more about um, how the whole space is yeah, evolving. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to that episode of the IoT for All podcast with our guest, Misha Benoiel, the CEO and co-founder of Nodal. hope you found it pretty interesting. Uh, I definitely did. I thought the conversation was great. Um, really interesting to kind of learn about these different kind of crowdsourcing ways to provide connectivity to smart devices. Um, definitely something I could see kind of growing um, in the presence of in especially smart cities and potentially you know different organizations and businesses depending on um, the setup maybe like you know in airports and um, hospitals and so forth so that was really interesting to kind of learn about that something we don't talk too much about on here if you did enjoy the episode please leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on uh, if you haven't subscribed already please do so so you get the latest episode whenever they come out our goal is to churn out at least one episode every week um if you think of anybody who would make a great guest for this podcast or somebody maybe you'd be interested in hearing, but maybe you don't know, you can maybe just shoot us a line um, over at IoT for All and just kind of like throw out some names and some ideas on thoughts of people you'd like or topics you'd like us to cover. And we'd be happy to talk about it and hopefully get those guests on for you. Um, but other than that, thanks again for listening to this episode of the IoT for All podcast.